Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Khan, and Dennis Dick. Oh, man, do we have a show today. I am so excited. I forgot to wear my glasses. That's how excited I am. We've got the CEO of Penn National Gaming, Jay Snowden, on the show about a half hour from now, actually. So very excited for that. We also have an options expiration, and not just any any options expiration, a record options expiration. You want to know how much money is in options is set to expire today? I'll tell you. $3.4 trillion dollars. Worth of equity options set to expire today. $720 billion of single stock options set to expire today. It is going to be a day. It's going to be a show. Strap in. Buckle up. Hit the like button. Joel, let's get those charts up and tell us how we're doing. And then after you do that, I want to hear about your incredible evening hanging out with some people in Zinger Nation. Okay, man, Spencer, you get you get me fired up, man. I'm just smiling. I'm fired up now too. I know. Young I'm Spencer. never fired up, but I'm I, fired up. I know this may be uh, this may be an epic show. This might be one of our best ones ever. Oh, don't right. set the bar too high because we'll oh. come below that. So don't this do gonna, that. Gonna be one of no our worst shows. Friday. No tangent Friday. No. No tangents. Only information. If we set the bar low, we can we can we can uh, beat it. Anyway, we got the charts up, Joel. How are we doing this morning? Choppy, man. We're down eight and a half handles, fifty-five seventy-five. We couldn't get to yesterday's high where we got a triple top, and we really couldn't get to yesterday's low in that area. Kind of have a triple bottom, and we just have a thrashing area right now, about thirty forty handles. So be careful today. It looks like it's going to be a chop fest. Crude down sixty-six cents at seventy. 91.95 gold takes a haircut a day i'm gone way away from 1800 now up 320 at 1760 uh silver in the green by 13 cents at 22.92 Ooh, got a two handle on that uh bitcoin down 115 at 47.38 ethereum getting hit a little bit more on a percentage basis that's down 136 bucks at up for 34 36. So there's a look at the commodities and futures. What's okay. up? What's up? What'd you do yesterday, Joel? We missed you. Yeah, Joel. What'd you I, do I, on your I, day off? Joel, I, I got to hear about this dinner because Joel actually invited people from Benzinga to his house for dinner. He didn't invite me, weirdly enough. He didn't but he invite invited, me either. He invited other people. So I got to hear, hear about this. Okay. First of all, uh, do you want do you want to have, uh, can you do a little breaking news thing? <laughs> sure. I'll do yeah. what you think. 
Joel what? Really I have I have a new favorite person at Benzinga. <laughs> Mitch, you had a week. <laughs> Mitch was up there. Uh, well, it was you and Brent, but now you guys have been knocked down to third. Uh, young Aaron came over. Uh, Mizzou graduate. He's uh, producer AB. Man, he came in. I invited him. Fit in right with the family. Knows sports, Spencer. That guy is a sports encyclopedia, and he knows horse racing. Uh, oh, just- see, you ha- as soon as he started talking <laughs> horse racing, uh, we were out. We were out, Spencer. Yeah, we <laughs> cannot compete. Wait, oh, wait. When we didn't get the joke that he said about the horse, you know, two weeks ago, we were dead. We're dead in the water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, he even shaved and combed his hair. Shaved and combed his hair. Oh, yes. well, I'm, really, yes. I'm really out. I don't know horses. I hardly ever shave, although I did shave, actually. And I never, I don't even own a comb, man. I haven't shaved. Uh, anyway, it was a great, uh, went to services, both services, sat way in the back, uh, way away from everybody. And it was fine. There weren't a ton of people there. And then we did the breakfast and uh, boy, it, it was fun. Um, and uh, just a good, Lisa just cooked up an incredible storm. But people don't want to hear about that. Um, they want to hear wanna about hear- they want to hear about Mac- options expiration and, and basically just a chop fest the whole week, right? Uh, it has been. This yeah. is like the, the week. If you're using stops, you are getting <laughs> stopped out of everything because <laughs> it goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down and it goes up. And if you're fading, you're trading this week. If you're just playing, I'm shorting the reps and I'm buying the depths. You could have played this spy range the last four I know. days. Look at this, Joel. I know. Have we I had a day like this with this big of a range? And the ranges are very, very eerily similar. I know. We get down to 444 on the spy. No, we got down 443, 444, and it's a buy. You get up to 447, 448, and it's a sell. Four days in a row that has worked. I, four I days in a row. I know. They trade. I know it, uh, it, you know, you tested the double bottom. So you thought you were good, right? At 25 and a quarter, 27. And then if I would have been trading yesterday, I would have been looking for that level. Like, okay, we're going down. We're going to take it out. And it goes to 33 and a quarter. I have absolutely no, I had no level at 33 and a quarter. Then it comes all the way back up and you trade in the 70 handles. So it's, you know, we'll see. I mean, I like consolidation periods because they, you know, they give you, you know, uh, the key to the next move. And I, I don't do this very often. I'll just draw some lines on here. I mean, this is just draw keep it simple, us, stupid. I mean, come on. Here's the bottom of the range. You hit it a couple times. And then uh, you made that high on Monday at 83.50. I don't know what the, you know, the spike uh, equates out to. But, I mean, look at that. I mean, that is... This is either the buy the dip, we're going to bust through 44.83.50, and Spencer's going to win 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got a yeah. Or I really need it to take out at this week's low. I really need it. And then I think we can test, uh, you know, now I think we can test 43.50 after that. And then. Spencer will be toast on that bet, but it's just set. You're going to be toast on the Microsoft bet too, because you look at the relative oh, strength of Microsoft. Market goes down, just... Microsoft kind of goes down, but they buy it right back up. We are just hanging out here at the high expiration. Push me to victory. Three ten is the price that we I, need. You know what? To beat selling... Joel once again. This that stock buy, but unless the market rolls over, that's the only chance I have. I need a market rollover. That that buyback has screwed you because it's underneath. It created this whole much of underneath demand. We talk about overhead supply. It's got all this underneath demand. Where every time Microsoft pulls back a little bit, people are in there because the buyback. And they don't understand that. uh, You know, they may see impending doom in the market or something, and they're they want to be prepared. I don't think they're buying it at three hundred five, folks. If you think they're buying it at 305, they're not. Well, I can tell you that, right? They're not today. buying it's it. They're in 305.10. <laughs> they're been 305. I'll tell you. That's 3,700 shares. So it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That must be our Bill Gates directive. Uh, he's out anyways. But uh, he's no, he's I'm, I'm, in, I'm in bad shape on that one. You, you got lucky. I mean, that's all. Oh, lucky. Have you ever beat me on a bat? I, I don't know. I don't know. He's I don't know. Glad you moved to Canada. <laughs> All right, all but, right, I mean, there's right. your resistance. Resistance is resistance, so it's taken out. So it's going to have a hard time. You know what stock? There. You know what stock I was trading last night, and Damn. I'm out of it now, so I just freely talk about it. But 
Did you see this whole BLI saga, Spencer? And you yeah. know, we had the short seller giving the short sell report and saying that this company, you know, saying a lot of negative, negative things about this company. BLI on CNBC no. last night. BLI, Joel. BLI. BLI, we're talking Berkeley Lights, a big Kathy holding. Yeah, but okay. the short seller. Who's the short seller? It was uh, a firm. It was hold on, uh, bah, 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 uh, Scor- Scorpion Capital. I got to say, when he went on CNBC, I was expecting, you know, because you're used to like Citron. Andrew Left can talk, man. You know, agree with him or don't agree with him. He just kept going on how they called all the companies, the, all, all the customers of BLI, and they don't like the product. I'm like, this is the big research that knocked this thing down <laughs> this much? I'm like looking at it thinking, really? I'm like... You called the customers and they don't like the product. That's the big <laughs> negative thing that makes this BLI a screaming short to zero. And then we had a Melissa Lee uh, on there last night and she's asking, did you cover any? And he beats around the question, man. Oh, no. You know, like the issue of the report. He beats around and he's like, it's still a, a long term, you know, short for us. But he never said, did you cover? He never answered, did you cover any? I'm like, oh, yeah, he covered some for sure. So you could just tell. You could read between the lines. I'm like, oh, this guy boy, was covering boy, into this. Boy. So he issues the report. The stock dumps, and then he covers into it. I mean, anyways, I know this has been going on for years. But the research, I thought, you know, at least from the interview, I didn't read the reports. So maybe it was more in the report. But from that interview, it was weak. So I, like, screw this. And my buddy at Bray was saying the same thing. I'm buying it on this. Because, one, it really sold off hard on it. And two, I think Kathy will load up. Did she buy any last night? I was like, you know, here's one of her holdings. So I don't know. I never looked at the ARC report from last night, but I was just, you know, imagining Kathy saying, yeah, you know what? It wants to tank like that. We'll buy more. So, yeah, she loaded BLI last night. So, and that was uh, from my buddy just saying, he's like, I bet you Kathy loads up too. Because whenever something goes down big, she loads up. Yeah, she bought 479,000 shares yesterday in her main fund. So, and then another 178,000 in the ARC G fund. So she did load up yesterday. That was a big buy. So, anyways, I already sold it this morning because it's already trading up. I bought it around 22.80 or something or $23 last night. It was down 80 cents on the interview. And I didn't, it was already trading up. And I sold some last night and then I sold the rest of it earlier this morning just for the quick snapback. So I'm already out of it, but, you know, a couple bucks on it. It's a, a good trade, obviously, $20 stock. But my, my thinking just was one, it, the interview didn't come off. He didn't come off strong in the interview. So I thought they might buy it back. And then two, uh, my buddy making the point that Kathy might actually buy this. You know, I'm like, buy more. If she buys it, she might load up. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. She probably will. So anyways, low-hanging fruit there last night. BLI does snap back 7% here this morning. But I thought that, the, you know, the interview is really weak from, from that person. Uh, 2514. Uh, that is your current price. Uh, just big volume day yesterday on the down day. This thing has been getting beaten up. Uh, 2591, though. I mean, that I see you know air up to 2591 on this one because that was a high from yesterday. So I don't know. The longer it takes to get up there, take that out. You got some room above that, but uh, it could roll over again. The close is that way down there at 2363. So, uh, you know, just at the highs of the pre-market session, I not getting to yesterday's high. That's my only observation. Their target price is zero. Yeah. I was going to say they call it Berkeley lights. What kind of lights? And I, and I'll agree, you know, some of the analysis, the the end part of his interview is better. Some people defending the person, you know, the end part of the interview is better because then he started to get fundamental and he started to say it's trading 27 times, you know, here the customers don't like, and he's putting it all together, but there's just in the beginning of the first five minutes of the interview, it was just focused on unsatisfied customers. I'm like, well, it's not illegal to have unsatisfied customers. So I don't know if he was you know, saying there's anything illegal, or if he was just saying, you know, um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly because I didn't read the report, but it just came off that it just didn't come off like it was like, whoa, you know, this company's doing a whole bunch of stuff. And yes, they have called some stuff right. Yes, QS, they got, you know, right. Scorpion did on that Never one. Never heard but, it. Yeah. Uh, overall, I just thought the interview was weak. So sorry, it was my opinion, title to my opinion. I thought it was weak. I think the rally stock rallied. It did rally right after the interview on it. So obviously other traders had the same opinion I did. I wasn't the only trader that bought it. And then I know Kathy loading up last night, which is predictable. Too. That was predictable because she buys, she's buying it all the time. And now you get a real tank yesterday. And I mean, it died yesterday morning, going from 25.91 down to 19.21. So you're talking about down. a 20% fall. Highly predictable that the ultimate buy the dipper was probably going to buy the dip on BLI. 
So now I don't know, like going forward. The low hanging fruit, I think, was buying it last night. Okay. All right. That's uh and your answer, your answer your question. They don't they don't do lights. They're like a cell biology company. I have no idea what they yeah. do. A yeah. cell biology company? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm not. It's not going to my long-term portfolio. I'm not. I'm already out. I already sold. Okay. So right. I'm like, I, I'm just telling you about the trade and showing you different opportunities and different edges. You know, and that's a Kathy edge combined with just watching the analysis on CNBC. You know, and analyzing and saying they just knocked this thing down 20%. You know, on this report. You know, and is it you know overdone sometimes? But you know, the the interview just didn't come off strong. That's why. All right. We got it. We got it, Triple D. Okay, Spoose Creepin. <laughs> Shut up, he says. Move on. My wife says I repeat myself a lot, too. I'm glad. I don't want to hear about it anymore. My wife says I repeat myself a lot, too. Okay, so can we – you want to talk about options expiration for a second? Because uh, yeah. it's going to be a big, a big one today. There also is a very small S&P rebalance. The only stock being added to the S&P 500 today is ticker TECH, T-E-C-H. It's replacing analog. Is analog is getting bought, so so ADI is off the board. So they're bringing in a new a new stock to replace that. TECH is going in. But in addition to that, we have options expiration. As I said, um, it's going to be a big one. There is there is three point four trillion dollars worth of equity options set to expire today. It means fireworks at the close is what that means. It means uh, fireworks yeah. maybe at the open too. Yeah, but don't too. be surprised if we do see some significant imbalances here this morning. I can give you an early look, and they are huge to the buy side. Like I mean, immensely huge. Look now again, that. on options we... expiration, when we look at opening imbalances, they flip flop. They do a lot of things, but just to give you a taste, just a taste, I'm looking at like USB four hundred and fifty five thousand to buy. It's max indicated price. I have so many stocks max indicated price. People probably don't even know that exists. There's a maximum indication price. What's that mean? It's the projected opening based on order flow right now. Now, this these opens aren't going to happen, but they max it out. And why it's this number on New York Stock Exchange, I don't know. But the highest a stock can pro- be projected to open is $4,294.67. I didn't know. Why? I don't know. But that is what the system allows. So the New York Stock Exchange system. So I have right now Lilly projected opening four thousand two hundred ninety-four dollars and sixty-seven cents. <laughs> I have Lowe's projected opening four thousand two hundred ninety-four dollars so... and sixty-seven cents. Home Depot projected opening four thousand two hundred sixty-four dollars so... and sixty-seven cents. Obviously, these stocks are not going to open up there. What's going to happen is, and what imbalances are really for, is to say, "Hey, traders, we have some huge buyers here. We need some sellers to help us out." So they're calling for short sellers to come in and help them out, so that you don't have a stock just gapping up ridiculously. Now, again, we know that one big institution could come in and say, "Okay, well, Lowe's is two hundred eight thousand to buy. I'll sell three hundred thousand, and then the buying balance would go from two hundred thousand down to minus one hundred thousand." So anyway, this is the stuff that, you know, we use at Bright Trade. And this is stuff that, you know, all the prop traders are using. This is stuff all Citadel and all the other companies are using to try to get an edge. We have more, you know, we're just using the publicly available information and trading with it. Where, you know, when you got your Robinhood account, you're looking there and saying, oh, I think the stock's going to go. I have a lot more information. Right now, I can tell you there's a lot of buy imbalances out there. So these are disseminated right to, from the floor in the NYSC feed. Like I've said before, Interactive Brokers has this information for free. So if you do have an Interactive Brokers account, you can get this. I don't know if a lot of the other retail uh, platforms do that. I would say just contact your broker. They may just charge you extra for it, but contact your I, I think a lot of them probably don't have it. I mean, that's it. But some of them might. But you know, when you're getting trading for free, you don't get all the bells and whistles. So um, you know, that's you know, that that's why. I pay for bells and whistles. You know, I pay. Like, I'm running trading as a business. This is my only job, you know, besides doing the show here. This is my main source of income is my trading. So I need information. Like, just imagine starting a business and you're going to spend nothing and expect to make something. It's absurd. That's why I said at a minimum, you should go get the Benzinga Pro. You know, like, it's cheap enough. You know, at least you have some information then. You know, spending 100 bucks a month is not, you know, you know anywhere absurd. I spend thousands of dollars a month on information. I've subscribed to everything I can because you know what? Information, you know, whatever is publicly out there is valuable. So I subscribed and I subscribed to you know, all the scanners and all the other stuff. So I spend thousands of dollars a month. So, you know, I have to make, you know, and it used to be even higher than that. But I think, you know, my, you I'm probably, I'm probably yeah. two to two to three thousand dollars a month I spend in just information quotes, you know, ex- expanded quotes, the books, everything else. So, you know, my break even is like two or three thousand. But I just think I can imagine a business who's starting a business and you're like, I'm going to spend nothing and I don't want to spend any money. I'm going to spend zero. Well, how do you expect to make money not spending anything? 
You're starting a trading what? business. Those come out you at gotta eight, spend right? Some money. Eight o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. See, so look at look what the spoozies did there. Right there. Right. See that lift that we got here coming up? Started the right there. We were hanging out near the lows of the session. So those are those are machines uh keying off the, the yeah, buy It's not surprising that spy yeah. started lifting at eight o'clock when yep. all these buy imbalances hit the board. That's that's not a coincidence. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden. On these days, it's you the have sometimes the futures lead, sometimes the stocks lead. Everybody, every futures trader thinks the futures lead the market. Every stock trader thinks, oh, stocks lead the market. I'll tell you, it's a combo. Some days, a lot of days, because overnight the futures are trading. Exactly. A lot of days, futures are leading. I would say majority of the time, futures yes, are leading. Yes, very good. But on Still this day, at 8 o'clock Eastern, just, when those imbalances come out, they will move the futures. I when know. you have every S&P component with a big buy imbalance, it will move the futures. Now, if they flip all of a sudden, you'll all of a sudden see the futures go whoosh. And you're like, what just happened? Oh, the imbalances just flipped. But if you're not subscribed to that information, you're lagging. So that's what's important is what I'm trying to convey. The point is you got to spend money to make money. If I didn't you know, buy, spend money on scanners, on news feeds, you know, on quotes, I'd probably make a hell of a lot less money if I made any at all. So it's but important to spend money to make money. For the option expirations, uh, take a look at uh, your your stocks and uh, depending on the platform you're on and see where the open interest is. And that's where the, you know, I bet you there's huge open interest in Apple, one, 149, 150. Been trading around there all week. So people that had those 150 calls, you know, when that thing got over 150 this week, you know, they were naturally in the money. They didn't know where it closed. So they were able to, you know, sell the stock and it came down. I know there's been news on Apple, but you know, the resistance came down and just look for the open interest to see where, you know, potential pings or where is there going to be, you know, if it gets above uh, 149 below 149, the people with the puts will come into action. So uh, looking at the open interest and you could pretty get a pretty good idea where the pins are going to be, but um, no, that's, uh, that's interesting. We'll see. We just straightened down only three and a half handles right now. Like triple D said, these things can flip in a heartbeat. Just one institution come in with one order and say, sold to you, flip a buying balance to a selling balance. Uh, so be careful. Another thing that Dennis does, um, he's not trying to play like, Oh, big buy, 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 buy. What he'll try and do is he'll try and, you know, the balance that just gets left out there and something, you know, that normally trades 50,000 on the open trades a quarter million on the open blast to some ridiculous level. Cause trying to play ahead of it, you're relying on the information being stable, but if it, you play it, the reaction, yeah, yeah. then you could still get run over, but at least the stock is trading. The volume's trading. You're not, you're not being fooled by somebody. What, you know, what you do, you know, you, you deal your old hand on that one. So there's another potential well, way to play. Well, the old Don Bright, you know, trading system for imbalances, which Don Bright has passed, but we learned so much from Don Bright, um, obviously uh, with Bright Trading. And, um, you know, he had the system, you know, where he just surrounded fair value, you know, like, and he looked at yep. these, you know, imbalances, he'd look at that and say, okay, well, you know, if the stock is here and futures say it should be here, I'll short up here and I'll buy down here. I'm willing to surround that fair value with, no, and these are just going when there's no news and no other things being equal. So the stock should open around here relative to fair value, but opens here, he'll be short. If it opens down here, he'll be long, you know, and he does that on all the stocks and some work out, some don't, but overall the 500 stocks got to add up to spy. So when you get those deviations in the pre-market, which it definitely deviates in the pre-market because half the stocks aren't open, um, you know, at eight, at nine 30, when the market opens, it all has to add up, you know, obviously, or there's arbitrage opportunities, you know, and those quickly come in. So in the first few seconds, there may be an opportunity, but after that, you get a minute into the open, it all has to add up. So it's and those, and the, with those orders, they're like they're they're filled they're open only like so OPG. don't yeah don't like you don't want those orders out there after like that opening print and depending on what platform you're on they can automatically cancel but those are those orders are good and i remember there was some guys in our office when you know on big expirations like this i mean their their monitor would just light up with oh like, yeah 
hundreds of positions. I oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. And then, I mean, and you can only do that on a prop account because you need leverage exactly. to be able to yeah, do that. Yeah, they won't even let you. Unless you're just independently down. wealthy. I mean, if you're sitting here and you got a $10 million account, okay, well, you can probably run all these strategies on your own. But lever- right. leverage is key you know, when you're when you're doing these type of capital-intensive strategies. All right, to everyone in the chat who's asking whether Benzinger Pro provides this data feed, no, the answer is no, not yet. But here's what I want you to do. I want you all to email Jason, Jason at Benzinger.com. Yeah. Tell him, hey, we want the New York Stock Exchange order and balance feed in Benzinger Pro. And to the pin in the pro. Yeah, text text that. Go straight text to the man at the top. Text him. Don't don't text him. Email him, Jason at Benzinger.com, and that'll that that will that's the best thing you can do is emailing emailing man at the top. So uh, it's eight twenty five here. We're gonna yeah. Have- let's do a stock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna have Jason on in a few minutes here from Penn National. Uh, do you want to talk M um, and A? We have an, a, a potential yeah. M&A deal. In, yeah. Okay, an uh, ETF. This is the big news in my world. I'm, I'm a bit of an ETF nerd. Uh, WSJ reporting last night that Invesco may be merging with the division of State Street. This is a big deal. Why? Because Invesco is the fourth largest ish- ETF issuer in terms of assets, and State Street is the third largest. So it basically it's like the the third and the fourth biggest biggest players combining. Uh, why? Because they're trying to beat uh, BlackRock, and it's really and Vanguard. It's really really hard. And anyway, IVZ is the ticker here. Stock popped on the headlines, getting yeah. some gains this morning. But uh, what symbol me? Symbol I IVZ IVZ Invesco. These stocks typically don't move around a lot, but IVZ started blasting off last night. I believe it got over 27 last night. Again, these are just rumors, and we don't even know how the deal is going to shake out. So it's rumors. Is it going to be a full takeover? Is it just going to be you know part of the company? Who's going to buy who? Invesco, State Street. I mean, so you don't have a you know it's just a rumor right now. So they even said in the update, Dow Jones said in the update. Wait, wait, that... no, 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 stop! Don't, don't cite Dow Jones. Cite Benzinga. We reached out to Invesco themselves. Okay, uh, ourselves. Go. I should say they said no comment. <laughs> no comment. Great job. Breaking news. But but in any regard, you can see how excited people get. Twenty-five to twenty-seven and a half. That's the biggest move IV Zebra has had maybe in like this is a stock that moves around 30, 40 cents on given days. So that's a big move. So you got to watch just paying up 10% on a rumor because you know what? Oh, you're already down 5% now. And what if the rumor doesn't materialize going right back to where it came from? So is it worth 26? I think it's fair value. But when you're paying 27 and a half, that's an overshoot. So, um, you know, just my thoughts. But, you know, this is how I quantify everything. I'm doing quantitative analysis on everything. And, you know, I've seen, you know, when you're 22 years in, you've seen a lot of things before. And it's like, it's an asset manager. They're not getting a 50% premium. They're probably not getting a 30% premium. If they get a premium, it'll probably be 10 to 15%. Now you're paying up 10% already. That's a short. So I should have, you know, I got sidetracked and didn't short it last night, but I should have. If I would have at 27, it's always gutsy to short a stock that's in play. Right. But, um, right. you know, I think it was probably an overshoot last night. Could that's you get 27 or 28? I think it, that's probably it, what lot. they could get. But people were paying it last night on the rumor of it. Mm-hmm. 2770s where they got to on the pop. Uh, personally, I would have been out there in 27 and probably been scratching my head when it went to 2770. Look at all those highs at 27. Uh, so that, you know, if it can rally another, you know, 85 cents today, uh, that's the level I'm. I'm discounting the pre-market high for now, unless obviously some kind of deal comes out. Uh, the top of yesterday's range, if you want to get this on a gap fill, uh, twenty-five seventy-seven was the top of yesterday's. Range. I'll I'll tell you why they got excited. This is is because there's precedent for this in in ETF land, right? Invesco okay. Invesco bought Oppenheimer a few years ago. There's a lot. There's been a lot of consolidation in the yeah. last, I don't know, four or five years. Uh, because basically everyone is chasing Vanguard and BlackRock, so yeah. everybody else is having to now, you know, combine and merge with each other to yeah. try to to try to catch those two. Those, those are the leaders, and so that's what's happening here. So there is a precedent for this for big deals in ETF asset management land, which is why people got excited last night, and it's probably why there's something to this rumor, even though Invesco said they're they're very well could. Dow Jones yeah. incredible. Don't kid yourself. They give good rumors. You know, they definitely could be something to it. I'm just saying when you're paying up 10% on the rumor on an asset manager, you might be giving up the edge. And we talk about rumors. I mean, Dennis, you made a good call on this one. Uh, that Citrix move again. 
uh, you know, when he came out, talked to book, talked to book again, yeah. filled yeah. the gap at 115. Right that to 115. The, yeah, that was, and it traded higher in the pre-market. Yeah. I remember that. that. I believe that was on Wednesday and they faded it. So a lot of these things with deals, man, if you, if you're playing these deals, you want to see, you know, you want to see tape, you want to hear a potential suitor, you want to see another yep. bidder, yep. you know, it, it's, um, it's a tricky game to play. So. 27 i like that today if it gets back up there trading down at 26 14 so All right. i don't know if you can even see that i want to see 100 more likes in the next Holy. 20 seconds Holy. we're gonna bring on jay snowden he's the ceo of penn national gaming let's do this And here he is, Jay Snowden. Welcome to Pinmarket Prep. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing, Spencer? Good. How are we doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Good to be with you. Good to have you on. Uh, Jay, I just want to start off with um, the obvious question for me, which is uh, your impressions from the last couple of weeks, right? We, we had the, the start of the NFL season um, and obvious, you know, record numbers on the sports betting handle in New Jersey led the way 12 and a half million transactions in New Jersey alone last weekend, Arizona, which you just got into had a huge weekend. Nevada had a huge weekend year over year. So what were your impressions from the, the handle from last weekend? Yeah, well, look, this is why we're in the business, right? Spencer, this is the exciting time of year. Um, Sports betting all comes together. I, I always say there's there's real magic in the NFL and with college college football and college basketball. So September through March, it's really, really exciting. Uh, and for us in particular, remember a year ago at this time, we were just launching, getting ready to launch NFL weekend number two in our first state of Pennsylvania. So a lot has happened over the course of the last 12 months at Penn Gaming with Barstool Sportsbook. Uh, we're now live in nine states. Uh, as you mentioned, Arizona, New Jersey, uh, Virginia, Colorado, uh, Tennessee. We just went live in uh, five more states in August and early September. So very exciting. And we feel so much better today about the product that we offer versus last year. It was good. It was sort of bare bones, good. Everything worked out fine. This year, we have great features like shareable bet slip, which in our world with Dave Portnoy and Big Cat is really powerful. They place their bets um on social media people can one click it populates their bet slip on the barstool sportsbook app we had over three thousand uh bets shared last weekend first time we ever uh, offered that feature really excited about that and then second we now offer same game parlay which we call parlay plus and you guys probably know uh fanduel sort of had a monopoly on that on that feature uh for a long time and and now we offer that we had fifty thousand uh, parlay plus bets on Sunday alone. So we're off to a great start here, football season, both college and NFL. Uh, since you mentioned uh, Barstool, Jay, I want to bring up uh, a clip of an interview that Dave Pointer did with with my boss, our CEO, Jason Raznick, last year. Uh, they were talking about the, the, the perception of the uh, Penn National Barstool deal uh, but at the time, January last year, before COVID, and then during COVID. I want to play that clip right now, and then I want to ask you about it here. We are in a company that has physical casinos, which when we did the deal, to me, it was like a huge advantage. It's like, yes, we have, we're going to have the on-premise, off-premise, one-two punch. Yeah. Then COVID hit like three seconds later. So for the duration of our relationship with Penn, I think some people have seen that as like, like a negative because the casinos got closed and all this, whereas the others don't. You need sports. But it's been an interesting dynamic. But yeah, firmly free with no marketing. And so I, I want to ask you about about basically what, what Dave just said there. How has the since you've reopened, we're basically reopened now, more or less since you've reopened, how has the Barstool pen uh, synergy uh, differed from how you thought it, it would now that we're basically more or less back to normal ish? Yeah, normal ish is exactly right. We're finally able, Spencer, to your question, to start to do some on prem activation, especially around football season. Um, so you'll see if you if you follow along with where Dave and Dan are taking their college game day uh, last weekend, it was in Michigan. Next weekend, it's to be in Chicagoland at Soldier Field for the Wisconsin uh, Notre Dame game. And if you follow along with what they're doing, uh, usually there's going to be a VIP event like there is next weekend at our Illinois property in Aurora to drive signups, registrations, first time deposits. 
So we're just getting started. Um, we had a lot of really big plans when we announced this deal, as Dave said there, in February of 2020, and then COVID hit in March. And it's sort of been this awkward environment since then. There's either been capacity restrictions or uh, vaccination status. There's all sorts of um, inhibitors. But we feel like we're headed into a sweet spot time of year with football season. And uh, last weekend, for example, in Michigan, of all the states we're live in, our daily active users uh, on our sportsbook app was the highest in Michigan of any other state. And uh, Pennsylvania, obviously, is a huge state for us. New Jersey, come out of the gate, has been very strong. But when those guys show up and do on-prem events at our brick-and-mortar facilities, like we're able to do in some of these states, it's really, really powerful. And uh, we're just getting started. I think we'll have a lot to share with you in the months and quarters ahead as we get through football and basketball season. I'm glad you mentioned Michigan. It, it, it happens to be where Benzinga is located. And uh, I want to I want to ask about your 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 market share in Michigan. We Barstool Sportsbook started basically at the top, uh, and and it, it's shrunk in, in 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 the months since as as other uh, options have come in. So so w- what is your strategy for states like Michigan? It doesn't have to be Michigan specifically, but states like Michigan where where you're, you're, you've lost market share this year as other comp- competition has come in to try to regain some of that share. Yeah, I mean, look, our, our position on this, and I've been very vocal about this, Spencer, is I think there's too many in this space that want to declare who the winners are in the first two months of handle market share at a state launch. And I think that's really flawed. If you look at uh, over in the UK, what's happened market share wise 12 years ago to today, it looks very, very different. And I think the companies that really focused on best experience, best products, have the best brands and have, have the right media integration, which obviously is a big advantage that we have, are going to be the winners. And and to answer your question specifically, look, we know that the Barstool audience, we over-indexed come football season and college hoops. And so we launched in Michigan at the very, very end of football season, just in time for Super Bowl. We came out with a huge bang. And then we fell off off after uh, basketball and football season during baseball. So two things I would say. One, you should expect our market share to bump back up again during football season. We're already seeing that in the first weekend of college ba- or college football and NFL. And then number two, we've continued to work on our products. And I think our product, again, when we launched in Pennsylvania and Michigan last year was good, but not as good as it needed to be. We think it's a lot more competitive now. Online casino, we're continuing to improve the product there as well. So we're very comfortable in our position. I would also just remind you, and I know you know this, Spencer, that you know, we don't play the same game as everybody else in terms of paid media. And there is an arms race right now. If you watched NFL on Sunday, every commercial it felt like was sportsbook, sportsbook, sportsbook. And it becomes just this white noise of what, what brand is that and what are they offering? And our approach is different. I think that there are – I'm not saying which approach is right or wrong, but we believe ours is the right strategy long term. We generate a lot of interest organically because – we took a buy and build approach. We own the brands and the people behind those brands create magic for us. And there's a lot of renting of brands and renting of eyeballs through this paid media. It's not sustainable. They're going to have to pull back and we're going to be there with a lot of dry powder to continue to pick up market share when that happens. Jay, I got some questions for you regarding the horse racing, the, the racetracks. And I, I, my count real quick count is you have eight tracks and uh you know, not not big names in there. I haven't been to Bangor Raceway, but I, I they're not big names in there. Are those are those? And I, I didn't really recognize a ton of them. Are those older or newer facilities? Uh, and my question would be, if they're older facilities, uh, do you see any big up you know cost for upgrading them, or are any of them in this prime area for land? Like if people can get a hold of Santa Anita, man, they would chop that thing down in a second. So talk to me about the racetracks, uh, you know, potential expenses, or are there any, you know, hot real estate plays with We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, well, Joel, thank you uh, for asking. I haven't answered a horse racing question in about two years, um, but I'm happy to address your question and, and, and to, to specifically answer it. About half of the tracks we have are new as part of new builds, like in, in Ohio and Massachusetts. Half of them have been around for a while. And really, it, you know, we started off as a, as a horse racing company, and it really turned into a development option for casinos and uh, has worked out really well for the company since IPOing back in 1994 with one racetrack and three off track betting facilities. So, you know, it's in our DNA. We've been at horse racing for a long time. Um, I would say that horse racing is an industry that needs a real shot in the arm. I'm excited that there's finally some movement um, in the state of New Jersey to try to make horse racing more like sports betting as opposed to paramutual style. I think that may attract a lot of younger gamblers, younger gamblers, don't appreciate paramutual. It's frustrating. You bet a horse 10 minutes before the race starts, you get them at four to one. And by the time the race starts, it's to two to one. And people don't understand that. So I bet it at four to one. That's what I should get. So, you know, if, if you can fix those in, which is what New Jersey just legalized and has been legal in countries like Australia or nations like Australia for years, very popular. So I think there's an opportunity to take horse racing to the next level. And there's obviously for us, we're continuing to figure out what to do with the amount of land that we have. We can do a lot more on the entertainment side. We've been doing a lot more outdoor concerts at our Penn National Racetrack um, horse racing facility, as well as at Charlestown in West Virginia. So I would say there's there's some opportunities there. Um, but I would say online, it's definitely going to be moving away from paramutual. What about uh, so the new tracks versus the old tracks? I mean, what are you seeing in terms of trends in, in attendance and handle? I mean, obviously, COVID, you're throwing a whole another, you know, uh, monkey wrench in it. Uh, but I mean, even before that, and I, I don't mean to be pessimistic. I mean, I've, I've been involved in the horse racing even before I was born. And to me, you know, it's just a dying sport. You know, it, it kids, no kids understand it anymore. I mean, you see the Kentucky Derby. Talk about like uh, your handle and how your attendance pattern, you know, pre-COVID and post-COVID. Uh, and then, you know, also, you know, the, um, you know, moving forward, like you said, a shot in the arm, but, you know, Bob Baffert would say a shot in the leg for the industry. <laughs> you know, what, what, what could be, what, what could rejuvenate the, 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 the history of, you know, horse racing, the, the tradition, what, what could bring it out? Of it? I, I honestly, there's a lot in that question, Joel. I would just leave you with this. It's, it has been a dying sport. Uh, the demographic on-prem is very, very old. If you ever go out to a horse racing event, Kentucky Derby maybe being the one exception. And um, I think the real opportunity to grow the business, just like it is in sports betting and online casino, is digitally. And if they can put together the right betting products and make it more entertaining over your phone is how you're going to draw the new audience. But I don't expect to see young people turning out for horse racing on-prem, in-person, anytime soon, unless they do move away from paramutual style, I think you can attract a younger customer. All right. I'm bringing it back away from the horses here. Joel, you had your fun. Uh, you already kind of uh, answered this, Jay, uh, but I want to follow up about it uh, with regards to the the marketing and, and the customer acquisition. We, we, we spread the word we, that we're going to have you on the show today. We got this question from a friend of ours here, I believe. You also know Ed, Ed Petoniak from uh, VC Properties, and he asked specifically about uh, the marketing paradigm in your business. Uh, and I, I just want you to speak a little bit more to that and, and your customer acquisition costs and and and, and how, why your strategy of not really marketing as much. And, and Dave spoke about this with us as well, is where he said, uh, you know, they, there have been times where you've wanted to do like an email push. And he said, we don't need to do an email push. We, we, we want to we, we can go ourselves if, if we want directly to the consumer. So why is that strategy the right the right one? Yeah, and look, I think as you know, Spencer, from that in interview, that we are very much aligned in the company on the strategy we have in place. It's not like you know the folks at Barstool saying we got to go get into that arms race of, of yeah. paid media, linear TV, linear radio, 
and we're saying no. If anything, to Dave's point, I'm in his ear sometimes like, hey, do you want us to do more? And he's like, that's a total waste of money. It's just burning cash. And our view on this collectively as the partnership is that it's about the brand. It's about creating relationships. It's about retention and engagement and making sports betting fun and making it entertaining and not having it be transactional. Right. And I think if you look, if you talk to people who bet on a lot of the competitor apps, they really do it because they just know it's available. It's not because they have some affinity toward that brand or the people behind that brand. So we really don't have to do things the same way as everyone else. Our approach is let's really monetize the relationships that we have. Let Dave and Dan activate that audience. We'll be doing the same thing with the score once we close on that transaction. I think one of the things that has been missed a little bit, I've been talking a lot about it. We have the best top of funnel brand in the United States as it relates to sports betting and sports media in Barstool Sports. An area where we know we can get better, Dave would tell you the same thing, is on retention and engagement once they're in that funnel. And there's nobody better at that across Canada and North America than the score as it relates to sports media. They do a great job of creating social and community features. So if you're following your favorite team, I'm a Yankees fan, if you're following the Yankees on the score, there's a chat feature if you're just following the game and you go in there and it's constant dialogue of just sort of live stream and it's people talking about sports betting. That's what they talk about 90% of the time that you're in there. It's money line this, over this, how many innings left? What are you going to bet the last two innings? So for us to not just get people into the funnel, but then keep them in the funnel, because now that we have, once we close on that transaction, once you, now that we have the score and you add that with Barstool Sports, it's one-stop shop. Whereas before, if you're a sports fan, you might follow Barstool Sports and have that app. But if you want to go check on the real news stories and the scores and the stats, you had to go to the score. You had to go to ESPN. Now you don't have to do that. It's all going to be in the same place. We'll have embedded links across the apps. If you have both of those apps on your phone, you're going to get everything you'd ever want from sports, sports media, and sports betting all at the same time. So I think specifically, Spencer, we're building through a buy strategy. Okay. We own our brands. We have relationships with our customers that transcends the transaction of betting on sports. It's relationship, it's entertainment, and it's loyalty to the brand. And we think that's going to win out in the long term. And I think that Skybet really did prove some of this out over in the UK. And we think that we can really duplicate that model here in the US. So you mentioned the score, $2 billion acquisition, uh, announced that in August. You also announced a, 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 the other week, I think, a 6% stake in points bet. Uh, what are your plans for points bet? Yeah, and that one, um, I thought we were clear in the disclosure, probably not clear enough because there's. It, I think most people interpreted that as we made a new investment in PointsBet. If you'll recall, when we announced who our skin partners were, this is back in 2019, it was The Score, it was DraftKings, it was FoxBet, and it was PointsBet. And in the case of The Score and PointsBet, we could have had cash up front or we could have taken equity in those companies up front. We decided to take equity in both right. of those companies that turned out well for us, obviously, with the score. It reduced the purchase price because we own 5% of the score. And in the case of points bet, all we did is exercise the options that were about to expire. So this was not a new investment. It was us just turning our, our options into a true ownership position. But we think they're, they're a great company. They've done well in the U.S. They're good partners. Uh, but it was not a new investment for us. Got it. Dennis, do you have one? Uh, you kind of took it, but uh, Spencer okay. takes my questions in the background. But hey, I'm Canadian, Jay, and I kind of wanted to know your thoughts on the Canadian sports betting market with the score. We're bringing it back to the score again, but, yeah. you know, obviously ProLine is a big thing in Ontario. Talk about, you know, the sports betting market in Ontario and in Canada. Yeah, well, and, and Dennis, as you know, uh, sports betting, single event sports betting just legalized in Canada. Looks like Ontario, province of Ontario is going to be ready sometime in that December, January timeframe. And what was legal before that was parlay bets only, right? So pretty limited market. There was a gray market offering, you know, offshore, not legal. Um, the good news is it's all going to be regulated now. And if you look at the advertising rules in Ontario specifically, I believe across Canada, definitely in Ontario, what you can do from, a, from an advertising standpoint is pretty limited, which we love because the score is the number one sports media brand in Toronto, across Ontario, as you know, Dennis. And the way that you have to advertise in Ontario around sports betting is just advertising your brands. You can't put out big promotional offers in the advertising. We think we really stand to benefit from that with the score. And the way we've been thinking about it, Dennis, is 
We have two amazing brands across North America. We think that Barstool Sportsbook is absolutely the lead brand will continue to be in the US, but let's get the score audience, which is 3 million strong in the US, over to the Barstool Sportsbook and convert them. And then in Canada, it's gonna be the exact opposite. We're gonna lead with the score and score bet and get that Barstool audience. We have the number one hockey podcast, uh, Spit and Chicklets across North America, number one in Canada. Let's convert that audience over to the score bet in Canada. So I think, look, from our perspective, number one was great brand, shared vision. We've known the Levy family for years. They've been our skin partners. They believe in this convergence between sports media, sports betting, like we do and Barstool does. Number two, it's a technology company at their core. They built out internally their entire sports media app and their sports betting app and products. They're live on their own PAM. They're going to be live on their own managed trading services in the spring, summer of next year. So the technology stack for us was a really important play. And then last, as you asked, Dennis, it is the brand from a sports media perspective in Canada. We think Barstool plus the score gets us a really solid market share, double digit easily in Canada, certainly in Ontario. And without them, we're probably a single digit market share in Ontario. So we think it's a pretty powerful combination. Uh, Jay, there's a pretty big similarity between uh, sports betting in a lot of ways and, and markets. So let's get that Benzinga pen partnership going. Uh, I, I want to <laughs> ask you, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked about this in the last week or so, uh, just about what's going on in, in, in Macau. How relieved are you to not have any exposure to that mess? Look, we all have um, our fair share of challenges over the years. If you're in any business, certainly gaming long enough, you're going to come across some some good times and some challenging times. And um, for a long, long time, I would say I was very envious of those companies operating in Macau for decades. Um, what a what a business, what a market, uh, unbelievable growth, the, the multiples and valuation that came with that. It's been an incredible story. And um, it's really hard to read through. There's a lot, it's, it's very gray. You know, you read what came out a couple of days ago about new, new more strict regulations. And is that, permanent is that going to be up for discussion it's just a lot of uncertainty right now so um yeah i'm i'm pleased with the business model we have it's very north america focused we think there's a tremendous amount of upside for us in north america as it relates to online sports online casino and our brick and mortar businesses have not been healthier for a decade since we reopened post covid reimagined the business model margins are the best they've ever been in our company's history so you look inside and outside of pen we feel really good about all the different growth drivers we have. Okay. Um, we, we got like so many questions. We can't get to all of them, guys. We, we, we've been out with Jay Snowden, CEO of Penn National. Let's just do uh, one more. Uh, I'm trying to get to the chat here. Um, any plans for NFTs? That, that's like a question we, we, we got a lot of. We got a lot of NFT questions to ask you. So uh, DraftKings has gotten involved with the yeah. NFT drops. Do you guys have any plans? Uh, nothing I can share today. Uh, Barstool has dipped their toe in the water on their own. Portnoy has. And um, we actually think there's an opportunity for us to get more involved with that Barstool brand as it relates to uh, financial services and fintech. Um, NFTs could make sense for us. There's a lot of things that we're looking at right now that I think are really exciting, but nothing that I can share with you today. Um, other than to say, if we do it, we'll do it in a very unique way like we do everything. Okay, uh, I have more questions, but I, I'm, I'm conscious of, of your time, so we'll have to ask them next time. Jay Snowden, everyone, thanks, the, the CEO of Penn National Gaming. Jay, thanks a lot for the time today. Yeah, Dennis, Joel, Spencer, great being with you guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Guys, uh, smash that like button for Jay Snowden. That was great. You, you asked. We, we put the call out, like, a, like a, I don't know, a couple months ago. We said, who do you want to you want us to have on the show? And a few of you said Penn, and we said, okay done it took us a little bit but we got them we delivered because you asked us to i love that company and you know i've been long the stock and then i got overdone i sold the stock and then i played it again and i love the stock i love the company um you know obviously stock is all timing and you know you want you look here just let's talk the stock for a second because we just talked the company for a long time you kind of think about a 50 percent retracement here joel like 65 to 85 and you've pulled back to 75 so i mean if you wanted to try a pen here 7351 i have no position in it yet so i can freely talk about it but i'm interested in it at this point in time the one thing working against it is we're in this market where it kind of feels you know like a tough market right now obviously we know las vegas sands and win have had their issues pen has and DraftKings have not because obviously not exposure over there to macau 
But, you know, you look here, 73.51, that low. I was like, well, if you want to try it, you could lean on that low. But, you know, in this, you know, area here, you know, you've got a 50% retracement. You have a technical setup here for a long. Yeah. Yeah, it came down to it. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I've always been like the Debbie Downer on, on this kind of stuff. I just... I don't know. Pe- I know people are never going to run out of money. I know people are never going <laughs> to stop gambling. The whole thing's people are going to stop gambling. I no, they're not going to stop. I just, I don't know. I see all these promotions and I see all these things that get people in. And it, when when you have to do that, I think that says you know that you're having a lot of churn. That you're having right. you know. But but Penn, but Penn doesn't have. That's the point. Is Penn, Penn doesn't, doesn't do that. Stuff. Do. They don't do that yeah. stuff. They don't have to. They they don't have to spend the money on marketing. They, that's why they bought Barstool, basically. I've said right. all along that I think with Penn, you get the best of both worlds. You know, you get the sports betting. You know, they're making smart acquisitions. I love Barstool Sports. I love Dave Portnoy. We know that. We've talked about that on the show before. I've said before why I own Penn over DraftKings was Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports. So, um, you know, we've had – you got to think of where we were. You know, obviously, you got to take the COVID lows out because everything looked like it was going, you know, end of the world yeah. back in March. But if you just ignore that and say, okay, we were 20 to $30 before COVID started, um, you know, and the stock way got overdone maybe when it got to 142 But now you come back in, is it $60, $70 stock? Has, you know, the company improved since we were before COVID? For sure. They've done so many smart, you know, acquisitions. The score is probably one of them as well. So I don't know. I I, lo- I like the stock. I like the company. It's just a matter of, you know, valuation. It's one issue, you know, with DraftKings, well, I've already stayed away. But I think, you know, Penn is a reopening stock. We cannot, you know, hide that fact that Penn is a reopening stock still. Even though it has a sports betting play, it does have the physical casinos too. So it is still a reopening stock. It's getting priced as a reopening stock. But I think if we ever do get a reopening trade, I think Penn benefits from it too. So I, I think if you're buying it here and you're, and you're out two, three, five years, I think you'll be happy. But, you know, obviously investing, you never know. And, and, and te- technical note, too, I just want to throw in, you know, remember how long we struggled with that 74, 75 area for a, a long time in July? So that was resistance, right? You had the pop. Now, you know, old resistance, new support. So that's another thing that, uh, you know, is coming in. Hit it yesterday. It actually got down. Did it get down to 74 yesterday? No, two days ago. It got right to that area. So technically, you know, you had to move up. You got to 73.51 two days ago. Maybe a couple days of consolidation. And boom. And lean on that 73.51. All right. Like technically. Thad Thad says trade or gamble. There's not enough time to do both. Thad, tough. Tough life, man. Sorry. That's my I trade too. So that's you know, we know I'm not a big gambler because I do the trading, but you know, a lot of people do do both. Uh we got four right. minutes here. Yeah. We should do some ticker time quickly here. I just want to say the imbalances that were all buys, a lot of them did flip to sell yeah, while you're tell. starting yep. to see a little bit of weakness in the spy. There's mix. There's some big buy imbalances here too, but there's some sell imbalances here now as well. Like those lows in Home Depot that had the big uh buy imbalances, Home Depot's now flipped to sell. So we know this day, it's crazy. The balances will go back and forth. You know, again, the way I approach it is stock is trading here. I surround that fair value. If stock opens too high, I'll likely be short. Stock opens too low, I'll likely be long. You know, and I try to play that across the S&P stocks. couple of stocks I want to throw on everyone's radar. Lucid, which is continuing to run again this morning after yesterday. And uh, Dennis, do they have Dutch Brothers Coffee where you are? It's got to be really good coffee. Though, it must, right? it must be the best coffee ever. It's got to be the best coffee ever. That is a move and a half. I mean, these new IPOs, they're wild. They're wild childs because they have no memory. They have no reference. It's air yeah. everywhere. And um, you look here, obviously, stock came out two days ago, opened the 32 and a half, goes up. Then you get the next day, boom, boom. I mean, when these things get hot, they can go anywhere. Again, you know, it's hard to, you know, say where, you know, with two days of data, it's hard to, these are unpredictable stocks. Yep. But when they're making new highs, I never like to be short a stock making a new high. I don't even know if you can short that stock yet. You want to hear something hilarious? I saw this, I saw, I don't know, the TV was on for like a minute or whatever. And I saw the guy ringing the bell. And um, I the thought Dutch it was. Brothers the, guy? I thought it was, the, yeah, I thought it was a cigar, the cigar company. <laughs> And I'm like, what the hell? I'm going to short that, man. Who's smoking cigars? I but know. it's not. <laughs> I know. I know. It's the, uh, it's the, I'll try it. I don't know. Is it better than uh, Costco coffee? I mean, that that's. That's well, it, 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 it's a, it's a coffee chain. They're only in like uh, they're, oh, they're a but, chain. Yeah, they're only out west though. That's the thing. Hey, did Starbucks recover? We talked no, about no, it that. Didn't. 
No, it, it didn't. didn't. Now it got it got chinaed, huh? It chinaed. Yes, that's a verb now. We've made that an official verb here, and it did. It got chinaed along with everything else. Keeps getting chinaed. Stocks you don't think can get chinaed, get chinaed. Starbucks chinaed. I, I don't can know if we're saying chinaed. that like that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I don't know if we should. I, that was fine. It's fine. Well, it's kind of true. Though that's a political aspect of it, you know, and if you it's want fine. a different word for it, though, but the China the government obviously hits a lot of stocks here with, you know, what their policy on how they're running things now. So I don't know. It's like another sector, but it gets hit. So Starbucks and the newest victim to the China Communist Party. Yep. Uh, all right. Chad's talking about retail. Yeah. Retail called a very nice bid yesterday. Uh, on the on the heels of that of that strong retail sales print, which uh, yeah. Dennis was caught flat footed for. Sorry about that. Um, I was what yelling else? at him. Wait, Joel, what, what else? Give me a warning. I'm like sold, 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 sold. I'm like, <laughs> Joe Spencer, you didn't tell me there was gonna be a market moving number here. We I just ran ten know. points in ten seconds, and I got picked off. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I didn't know uh, that that was gonna be a a, a, <laughs> a, 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 a big. Well, we'll forgive you. We'll All right, this time. it's eight fifty nine. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Joel, Dennis, any any final thoughts from either of you? Uh, just mid range. I mean, we're just chopping. I'm gonna play the edges today. See if we get up near that the three highs in the upper forty four seventy handle, or if we get in the lower forty four thirty handle. Uh, you know those lows. So I'll be leaning on that. Also, don't we need to thank Zoltan? Didn't it? Wasn't he the one that had been working on that interview for? Yes, a long I'm time? glad you. I'm glad you. Yeah, said yeah. I almost forgot. Every, yeah. Zoltan gets really good, Zoltan. Zoltan gets a thumbs up. Zoltan gets something, some as yet to be determined prize because he was tenacious with Penn. It, it it took a lot of back and forth, and Zoltan did not quit. And Do you know uh, what his name is synonymous with with me every time I hear that name? A movie. And you you don't mess with the Zoltan. Right. <laughs> Big. It's, yeah. That's out of yeah. sale. You don't mess with the Zohan. Joel's right. Joel's right. Zoltan was the name of the of the 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 game, right? Yeah. In yep. in big, I think. Oh, he's oh, he's on that one. Yeah. I there was a movie, the Adam Salem movie. Remember that one? You don't mess with the Zohan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the yeah, guy that kept eating all the hummus on everything. He brushes teeth with hummus and stuff. You don't mess with the Zoltan. Oh, uh, what that's funny. All right. I remember that over. game too. The Zoltan. Yeah. Was it called uh, Zoltan? Was it actually called Zoltan and Big? Yeah, the, the one amusement that, part. The, the one that made yeah. it big. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm going to hop over to pre-market prep plus and uh, cover uh, the rest of these stocks we didn't hit. And uh, Spencer, I'll be talking to you on uh, Monday. Uh, yes. In, yes. Uh, Mitch at 3.30 at the close. Show. Yes, we are doing at the close today. Joel will be there. I will not be, but Mitch will be there in, in my stead. So at the close is still on. Dennis, uh, I'll talk to you uh, over the uh, on Monday, if not sooner. And uh, good luck today. It's going to be fireworks. Oh, I know. I'm getting ready. Close. You firework open, firework close. The balances are all over the place here. They're flipping from buys to sells to buys again. They don't know where they want to be. They don't know. Wild open. Expect yeah. some crazy open. All right. Uh, if you want to hang out with us at the open, you can do that on our very next show, live trading with Benzinga, Mitch, Zunaid, Ryan. Uh, I will not be on that today because I have to prep for the show after that. Which we're, we're, you know, we're, we're experimenting, trying new things. Uh, if you recall, last month we had our very first, uh, what we called our all access event. Uh, this is, this is a, a pseudo show meets investor conference uh, that I will be uh, co hosting starting at 9 45. Uh, we've got, I think, eight different companies uh, set, to, set to present today. These are all early stage venture uh, companies. Uh, that 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 we have come across and uh, are going to be presenting today. So that'll be at nine forty-five. So that's uh, I'll be pre- uh, prepping for that. But we have live trading starting next. We've got all access after that. That'll go until about one. Get technical will be on today with Neil Hamilton. It is Friday, so that means Moon or Bust. Our altcoins show, our DeFi show, will be on at two. Joel and Mitch will be on with you at three thirty for at the close. And um, Brad Weber, every Friday, 5 p.m., technically options, wrapping up the week. Uh, how many likes do we are we at today? Uh, I, haven't up, I haven't checked for a minute. Are, are we you – know, maybe I should just pull up the YouTube video. Let's do that real fast and see what see where we're at on the like front. We at 
500. All right. All right. Let's get to six. Let's get to six. Let's get to six. Um, I, I was serious, by the way, what I said before. If you want to request anything in Benzinga Pro, just email Jason. Jason at Benzinga.com. I promise you he will appreciate that. He, I'm not spamming him. I'm not pranking him. He really does appreciate the feedback. If there's a feature you want to see in Benzinga Pro, we don't have it. Email the man at the top, Jason at Benzinga.com. What other company is going to do that? Is going to say, hey, email our boss. But you should do it. I'm I'm not kidding. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks again to Jay Snowden for hopping on today. If there's ever any other CEOs or not CEOs, any guests you want to see on our show, email us shows at Benzinga.com, S-H-O-W-S at Benzinga.com. With your request, we will do our very best to get that person on if we deem them uh, a good fit. Please remember all the information from our show, all of our shows meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. All right, it is 9.05. Live trading is about to start. Uh, I'm going to put the link in the chat for how to access that because it's coming up live on our channel, youtube.com slash Benzinga, or just click the link that I'm posting in chat right now. There it is. Um, I'm not going to be able to redirect you uh, to, to that stream. So click on the link or go to youtube.com slash Benzinga uh, to find our next show. Do we have the actual Jordan Belfort in the chat? What's up? Wow. We got we got Bieber and Jordan Belfort in our chat. That's amazing. You guys are amazing. Serious. Thanks for all the questions. I know we couldn't get to all of them, but I promise we were writing them down. Not me, but other people were writing them down as you were asking. We have a new list of questions we will ask Jay next time we get him on the show. I promise. I promise. I promise. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Good luck at the Open. Live trading with Benzinga coming up live right now. And uh, we'll see you over there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.